You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. TNL is a production of Young Clergy Network, and we're hosting our last national conference in California this coming October 17th through 19th, 2019. If you're a Nazarene with a call to ministry, you won't want to miss it. You can get the details over at yccwest.eventbrite.com. Today on the podcast, we're catching up with Reverend Mikhail Levine. She's the author of the new book, Living the Way of Jesus, Practicing the Christian Calendar One Week at a Time. As always, thanks for all you do for Young Clergy, and thanks for tuning in. back to the podcast. I'm Britt Bullerjack, and I'm here with my guest, Reverend Mikhail Levine. Mikhail is the pastor of spiritual formation at 8th Street Church of the Nazarene. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So we've had you on the podcast before, but it's been more than two years. So I wanted to kind of check in with you and talk to you about how the last two years of ministry has been going for you. What's been going on? A lot of things. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, I think the biggest thing that you notice, uh, at least when you're a parent in two years, is what's happening in your kids' lives. Mm. So it feels like now that Austin is five and he's in kindergarten, Galilee just turned three on Monday this week. So those are like hugely noticeable things, yeah. like major differences in our family life mm. and the pace of life and um, all of those things uh, that have taken up a lot of time and energy mm. in the last two years um, in, in all like terribly good ways. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one miniature case in point in that is that this past Sunday I preached um, for the very first time with both of my kids in the service Ooh. because at our church, um, kindergartners through fifth grade are in worship with us, um, until the sermon. And then once a week or once a month, I mean, they stay in for the whole sermon Mm-mm. and it's the first Sunday of the month. Nice. And so I was like kind of sweating it. Like <laughs> this is, this is a big deal. Like yeah. my kids are there. Mm. They get to see what I do. And I also know like. My son in particular, well, my kid, my daughter wasn't supposed to be there, but she was not feeling well, so mm. she didn't get checked in downstairs. But um, but I'm like, I know his attention span, mm-hmm. and um, I got to be, like, clear, and I got to have, like, I got to wrap these kids in, you know? <laughs> um, so, uh, like, every phase of life as a parent also affects Aww. your journey as a pastor. Yeah. They're, like, so much the same. I think the biggest thing that has happened in the last two years as far as ministry is um, the first time I was um, with you, I uh, our church was called Midtown Church of the Nazarene, mm-hmm. and we were just uh, almost two years old at that point. We were still meeting in a borrowed worship space mm-hmm. um, from our friends at City Prez here in Oklahoma City, yep. and in... April of 2018, we moved into our own building Mm. on the corner of 8th and Lee. It's a historic building um, that has always been known as the 8th Street Church. Mm. Um, It was the Methodist congregation. Cool. Uh, It started as a German Methodist congregation in like 1907. Oh, wow. And then, you know, followed the name changes of all the Methodist Mm. (laughs) iterations Mm -hmm. in the last 100 Mm -hmm. years. And so, long story short, we uh, took the name of the building. Mm. And so we are 8th Street Church of the Nazarene now. So it's been really a fascinating journey Mm. to both prepare to move into an existing space, Mm. be a new congregation in an old home. Yeah. And uh, all of the work, uh, very literal and figurative levels of work that Mm. it took to move into that space, Mm. Uh, the miraculous, like literally miraculous workings of God that we were able to do a $1.3 million renovation project without going into debt. Wow. Like 
that stuff doesn't happen. No. It was... That's incredible. Legitimately, like, mind-boggling. Yeah. And it still is. Like, yeah, you look yeah. back and you're like, okay, there's these stories of people just hearing about it and wanting to take, you know, one mm. of our pastors out to breakfast and be like, I think that I want to get in on this. Mm. How much money do you need? Wow. It's like, incredible. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so the journey of getting into the building mm. was uh, pretty just so formational in so many ways. And now the almost, well, the year and a half being in the building has been just as formational. Mm. Learning who our neighbors are, um, adapting to the constraints and limitations of our building, Mm -hmm. and working within that space, Mm -hmm. um, maximizing it to what we need, and then also letting it dictate to us a little bit what we can and can't do. And, um, And I think those are all really healthy um boundaries Mm. honestly to learn to operate within yeah and then also to say okay once we have like honestly our sanctuary space is almost at capacity and our kids spaces is totally at capacity Mm. we have kids coming out the wazoo yeah (laughs) they're just we have so many so much going on um and so uh it's good to to pray about these things mm. and to be creative about these things and to be purposeful in, you know, how can we serve our community um, in holistic ways and in relational ways mm. and staying true to we're not going to overextend ourselves. We're not going to overextend our building or the property, our footprint. Yeah. Um, and it's all – it's – it it requires a lot of discernment mm-hmm. and creativity, and I think that's the place in which the spirit resides. Yeah. So it's been really good. In summer of 2018, this is 19, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. 18, I was given a sabbatical, mm-hmm. which is also pretty remarkable given the fact that our church was less than four years old right. and I had already had an eight-week maternity leave. Mm. Not that it is anything like no. a sabbatical. I have heard that rumor. <laughs> yes. It's not the same. That's right. But uh, it just, to me, was so evident of, like, the generosity of mm. our lead pastor, Chris Pollock, and who had himself experienced a sabbatical several years previous at a different church and was like, this is something that we need to bake into the DNA of this new church. Mm. And the board who just jumped on it and was like, yes, Mikhail has been, you know, in full-time vocational ministry for 13 years. Not all, you know, in the same place. Right. Um, but I, I also think that um, not necessarily in a, in a bad way, but I think um, Chris in particular, the, the pastor that we've – you know, been in, in partnership to plant this church together for almost five years. So I think he recognized in me some weariness that I didn't even fully pick up on in myself. Mm. And when he started talking to me about it, I thought he was crazy. I mm. was like, how can we, how, like, really? <laughs> how do you think this is going to work? Yeah. Um, and we started planning for it about a year in advance. Mm. And, um, you know, the other thing that's happened in the last two years, honestly, Britt, is that our uh, team of pastors has grown. And so it's not just the two of us, like, making everything happen. Right. And so um, we don't have full-time pastors, but mm-hmm. we do have um, other part-time folks who are gifted and called and yep. trained and... Um, and we can compensate them some for their time, mm-hmm. though the church can. Um, and so, yeah, it just felt like we were holistically as a congregation, we were at a place where it didn't feel like I was um, robbing from anyone. Mm-hmm. And then it really felt like I was being offered a gift. Mm. And the gift of sabbatical was something that I needed more than I even realized. Mm. Like I was, 
I was a level of soul tired that I didn't really fully comprehend. Mm. And when I, did that hit you? Um, it hit me on day three. <laughs> I went to a silent retreat mm. at a Jesuit prayer house in um, in Texas. Mm. The one near Lake Dallas? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, Montserrat is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And I literally, like, my spiritual director before I left told me that sleep is part of the spiritual process yes. of healing and rest. So don't feel guilty for sleeping yeah. and taking naps. Yeah. And I kind of was like, uh-huh, okay, okay, I'm not a nap taker. Like, I've... Nah, 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 nah. I'm good. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I slept so much. Good. Like, one day... I slept in till like, I don't know, whatever time, seven or eight, because um, there's no alarm clocks and you just wake up when you're hungry, yeah. really. And then I think I literally took like a three-hour nap in the afternoon. Nice. And then I went to bed at like 9.30 at night. Aww. Like, and I just, I could not believe how tired I was. Mm. But I was also like in the silence there was all of this, um, there was some deep sadness that was bubbling up that mm. I hadn't, that had kind of just been like sitting at bay yeah. for a while. And uh, my goodness, it was, um, it was a weariness and uh, like a teetering on the edge of despair mm. that I hadn't even realized I was at that place. Oh. And, uh, Man, rest is healing. Yeah. Rest provides hope and joy. And so I think in that uh, Sabbath, the whole like theological notion of Sabbath has taken on a whole new meaning for me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it is... um, I feel like it is absolutely imperative for us to be the people of God in the world like it is a an absolutely imperative practice Mm. and then it flows into how we treat one another and create space for each other's sabbaths Mm. giving land yeah rest yeah and the healing that comes from the rest for people and animals and plants and Mm -hmm. bodies and the whole thing it's just like Freedom from the never-ending cycles of empire. Yeah. Um, it's a whole, it's, so anyway, that experience of sabbatical has just kind of even deepened my own um, understanding and, and I think philosophy or like um, conviction mm. about, um this Sabbath keeping and empire resistance business, like yeah. that God's people are freedom people and Sabbath is is the gift that free people get to receive. Mm. So And what a countercultural notion of absolutely. Sabbath is not something that culture is into right no. now. So. No. I mean we we're all tired and we want to check out. Yeah. But that's not the same thing. Yeah. That's that not really the same sense. thing. Um, Sabbathing is is a is a restorative nothingness, mm. and I think so many times our culture engages in a distracting or a um, a coping kind of letting steam off, but it's not it's not restorative, mm. and it can actually do more damage, and it never. It never stops the pace, mm. you know? Yeah. So I think that has been a significant... Um, it doesn't feel like I've had a major, like, life change in mm-hmm. the last two years because of that mm-hmm. um, or a year since I've been back from sabbatical. But it does feel like a subtle sort of deepening of this essential conviction mm. in my life. And so I'm incredibly grateful to our, like, 
fellow pastor and our, our congregation and board for for that gift. I mean, it has, yeah, it's been really, really good. So then those seven weeks um, were time that I just got to enjoy unhurried time with my kids. Mm. And I wasn't, like, there was this inner turmoil of, like, I feel like I should have something to show for this time. Mm. Uh-oh. No. And and then realizing, like, oh, that's the opposite of sabbatical. Right. <laughs> but, again, okay, so if we're talking about things that have happened in the last two years, about that same time, um, maybe a little bit earlier than sabbatical, So, um, but really, like, digging in deep during sabbatical uh, was, like, Enneagram work. Mm-hmm. Do you, so do you know your, you're obviously you know your number. I do know my number. Mm-hmm. And once I identified, so I am a three for okay. anyone. Ah, productivity. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that. Yes, yes. So once gotcha. I, I realized like what this was about, like mm-hmm. needing to have something to sh- I'm going to be gone for seven weeks. I should come back with like a book written or like mm-hmm. a blog mm-hmm. or a, you know, something like some, amazing some tangible successful project <laughs> yes. that I can yeah. I need to show you people these right, wonderful right. things that I can do yeah uh and wow everyone with how I got this accomplished in seven weeks mm. and then was like oh wait a minute I I recognize that voice and that's a lie yeah. <laughs> okay so that has been um, another pretty significant, I think, element to my own life journey and has definitely uh, impacted the way that I minister. Mm. And um, so I'm, I'm aware to a much greater extent, and our staff right now is going through Enneagram together. Cool. So it's a pretty fascinating journey. And... Um, and it's a very vulnerable one, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Uh, and so it requires a lot to. It, it requires a lot to trust people with this stuff, yeah. But we came to a conclusion. So working through what as I was talking earlier, the limitations of the building and and all of that, um, and the discernment process needed and. What do we do when we run out of space? Mm. <laughs> and how do we create more space for the people that we want? Like, we want to be hospitable. Yeah. We, we're in that neighborhood for a reason. Mm. We don't want people to come and be like, oh, there's not room for me here. Yeah. But what do we do with that? Right. Like, how do we move forward? And so as we were talking together as a team of pastors about, like, what what is our what are our dreams together? Mm. And then also, what are our fears mm. together? And what do we notice God doing? And how brave are we willing to be? All of these are like very deep. Um, these aren't just like strategic level cognitive thinking kinds of um, questions. These are very deep um, soul searching kinds of questions. Yeah. And so it felt like we were ready mm-hmm. and we also needed to be able to know some things about one another and invite one another into those deeper places of our own journeys so that we could um, we could really discern well together mm. and have an awareness of our individual selves, but then mm. around the table um, share awareness of one another so that we can say, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't think that is coming from your place of health and wholeness. Yeah. I see you kind of going into your stressful place of fear and maybe mm. we don't need to give that much validity or weight or that doesn't factor into the overall decision-making process. Yeah. And so um, those are all things that have grown within our team mm. um, and within me in the last two years as a pastor. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, if someone uh, wanted to do something similar with their team, how would you recommend they go about that journey? So we, um, w- there is someone on our team who is not a paid uh, staff member, okay. but 
works as a chaplain with another organization that we partner with. And so she kind of does, um, we like it's a shared role. Cool. And so she was leading their team through an Enneagram training mm. and um, used a wide variety of resources. And so we asked her to gotcha. do the same thing for us. So I'm not the one that's putting that together. Um, but I have found for myself, well, first of all, uh, Father Richard Rohr, has YouTube series mm-hmm. of teaching that's really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people are really high on The Road Back to You, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a bad book, but I don't necessarily, like, obviously, everything that I do, I want it to lead into formation. Yeah. And um, I don't find it to be particularly helpful as a spiritual formation um, practice. I think it gives you a good... Um, nitty gritty of like what the types are, yeah. but it doesn't really lead you to do anything with them. Sort of broad S- overview, yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's a little bit. Mm, I, I don't know. I I don't find it to be like super hopeful. Mm. I feel like um, I think one of the gifts that the Enneagram gives is awareness for your own junk that mm-hmm. you try really hard not to see, and yep. so. That is something that the Enneagram provides, but I feel like if you only talk about that, then it's like despair and defeating. <laughs> and so um, I, I just feel like he, in that book, um, they focus a little too heavily on all of the dark without a lot of the, the light. Mm-hmm. For me, my yeah. personal. Sure. So my preference, the thing that... Um, the, the resource that I have found tremendously helpful is called The Sacred Enneagram mm-hmm. by Christopher Huritz. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I say his name the right way. Huritz? Howritz? This seems about right. Um, so it is a little bit, uh, it's not as easy to read right. as The Road Back to You. A little dense. A little bit dense, and it takes a different tack. Like, it doesn't start right from, like, okay, let's dig into what these nine types are. Right. But I think it's actually a better approach because it doesn't um, – it, it's almost the difference between reading Scripture as eisegesis and exegesis. <laughs> it's like getting to know the tool in its entirety, mm. where it came from, how it speaks to us, mm. all the different parts and pieces, and then – you can begin to apply it and say, okay, now this is what it will do for me instead of just immediately going to the Enneagram as something that you can use. Mm. Um, But it really is then a formational tool and a tool of awareness. And the reason I love Sacred Enneagram, which is I, I think so much has overlapped in what I was talking about, the sabbatical journey and just my different, um, I don't know if it's a different approach, but my, kind of re-asserted um, importance of the approach to ministry that I have and the importance of rest is because um, through the sacred Enneagram, he guides you through like a, a broad understanding of the whole Enneagram and then each of the nine types. And then he says, okay, because of the the specificity of these nine types, the way to wholeness and healing is so for three it's to engage in silence Mm. um and not to um so in each of the in each of the nine types you either rest or you engage or you um what's the third word that i'm looking for submit something Mm. like that to either silence or solitude Mm. and um so, or stillness, silence, solitude, or stillness. And so it talks about like a contemplative prayer practice and pattern mm. that leads you to a path of wholeness and healing with God. So it's, it's to me, it's a full like formational approach mm-hmm. to self-awareness, self-discovery, and yeah. growth with God. And then um, has huge ramifications for interpersonal relationships and team building and Mm. all that kind of stuff it's great so i love that yeah it's Um, been really good for us yeah it sounds like it i love the idea of doing that together as a team 
Very cool. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, to unpack a little bit more the difference or the transition maybe between not having a building of your own mm. four years ago, three years ago, to now where you guys are at in this new building. How, what changed or how has that shaped you as a people? It's hmm. a really good question. Uh, I think some of the most noticeable things are like, you know, when I'm the only one in the building on, I get to the building on Monday because everybody else has a day off and my day off is on Friday mm. and the alarm's going off, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. or the electricity is off or we literally had like birds in our chimney. Oh, this was cool. This was so cool. So... I was in the building and I was like hearing all of this chirping and I was like, seriously, there are birds somewhere trapped and I'm like on the phone with people, like how do we get them out? The chimney sweep comes the next day and because we have an old, um, it's an old building, right? So there's a chimney that's no longer used, but it was like the furnace chimney. Oh. And um, we thought that it was capped off in, like, the construction process, but apparently it wasn't. Wow. Or, like, something caved in, or I'm not sure exactly what happened. So the chimney sweep gets up there, and he's, like, hearing the noises, and he's like, oh, wait a minute, I can't touch these birds. Oh. And we were like, what what? (laughs) do you mean? And he goes, yeah, they're not distressed, they're not trapped, these are... Venezuelan chimney swifts, and they are endangered. Oh, no. They are protected. (laughs) They are migratory birds who are fleeing their native lands because of deforestation, and they have adapted to making homes in man-made structures such as chimneys, but they keep going northward until they find a chimney that they can use because new buildings don't have the kind of chimneys that they need. Oh. And I was literally like, we get to provide sanctuary (laughs) for Venezuelan refugees. This is the best. We were like in the middle of a a creation care series at the same time. So we posted a sign and was like, please, uh, how did it say? Something about, like, um, we're trying to be good neighbors. Like, don't mind our guests. We know that they're noisy, but we're providing refuge and they'll pass on. They did. They only stayed about two or three weeks. It was kind of sad when we didn't hear them chirping anymore. We were like, I think our birds are gone. Um, That's beautiful. I love that story. Yeah. So it's those kinds of things that you're like, okay, this is a lot harder. Mm. Um, Like building ownership and maintenance is a whole thing. Yeah. And I honestly don't even feel the brunt of it. Chris feels way more of that Mm. um, than I do. But... Uh, we've also been able to, you know, host a whole lot more stuff in our building sure. and open our building for outside groups, mm-hmm. which has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that has been like we've we've prayed it, early on. We prayed that that we would be able to offer this building and this space as a gift to the city, and mm-hmm. so whoever needs it whenever however like we want it to be not just ours and so Mm, that has given opportunities for us we had our first wedding um in december of last year a formerly homeless couple wow and our congregation just kind of pulled it all together for them it was very beautiful Mm. and sweet and um so it's those kinds of things that you get to do when you actually have space in a neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I think we have also become more of a neighborhood church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have folks that walk and bike mm-hmm. to the church mm-hmm. for worship. Um, and we've become much more aware of our uh, neighbors who live around us, whether in houses or not in houses. Yeah. There's um, a guy named Kenneth who sleeps under our back stairs mm-hmm. most of the time. And so there's just those kinds of things that you you feel like you're kind of growing up and taking your 
taking place in the neighborhood. Like we, we're not just passers through. We are, we're part of this place. Mm. The marathon uh, ran down our street. Mm -hmm. And so we got to be out on the corner and join all of our um, neighbors out there and cheering. And it was really cool. So I think the other thing that's been really, um, it's been really interesting to see how it has changed our congregation Mm. to feel that they have, um, feel like they have a, a, uh, a space to host from mm. and that they there's like a pride of ownership not a not a like entitlement or egotistical but a, a yeah. good pride of ownership yep you know and so there's a there's just I don't know it's it's good it's like mm. when you know um, you buy your first house as a married couple or as a single person or whatever and you're like I can't wait to have somebody come over to my house for dinner because I've never been able to do this before in my cramped tiny apartment or whatever and that's what it feels like as a congregation Mm. and there's but there's the aches and pains of that too right like it's it's all it's both Mm. it's all of it at the same time Mm. which I think is just in general part of growing up yeah it's the maturation process both as humans and also as a congregation, as a spiritual body, mm. there's uh, new responsibilities that come with new gifts. And um, and so I think the growing pains are, are good. Yeah. It's great. So in the midst of all this, kind of tell me the story behind the book that you have coming out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So in the last two years also, that has happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this month, um, the Foundry is publishing a book called Living the Way of Jesus, mm-hmm. Practicing the Christian Calendar One Week at a Time. And it is a compilation of what I've already been writing for our congregation on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So I think we talked about last time, but I can't remember entirely. Um, that in, when we launched the church, uh, I, I had been, when I was formerly a discipleship pastor, I had been writing like daily devotionals for our congregation, um, back at Bethany first church. And they would like follow the theme of the sermon and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But towards the end of my time there, and then in launching the new church, I was like, I don't know if that is really the most important thing. I don't know if that's really necessary because, you know, um, at that time, like version was just barely getting started with reading plans. And now there's like a bajillion of them. Yeah. And so, and there's, um, really great, um, e subscription stuff that you can get. I mean, there's all kinds of devotional material everywhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what I felt like we were lacking was an application Mm. process. Like, I don't think that we need any more information. Yeah. We needed to know what to do with the information that we already had. Yeah. And so I began to kind of think and dream about what it would, what that would look like. How do you provide a to do? Mm. How do you provide a, something for your people to, to do with Mm. what they're reading and learning? And could something be, could something flow out of the sermon? Yeah. So I started writing what we call weekly practices, mm-hmm. and it really is um, um, after it really flows out of the sermon. It's like, okay, we're going to listen to this 20, 30-minute sermon on this, and we're going to get really good information, and we're going to you know, get sound theology, but now how do we, how do, we do something with that? How yeah. does it make a difference in our daily lives and, and like how do we carry that through the week instead of just thinking about it only on Sundays? Right. And in our congregation, we talk about specifically um, that we want to live the way of Jesus together. Mm-hmm. So living the way of Jesus is not just a Sunday enterprise. Right. Like it should, it has to engulf our whole lives. Yeah. So I started kind of fiddling with it and just seeing what it would be like. Mm-hmm. 
And lo and behold, it was um, amazing. Mm. It was something that our congregation um, really latched onto. Mm. And I was I was surprised because mm. um, I was like, I don't want to make people feel like we're asking them to do another thing. Yeah. You know, but people really um, responded well to it. Mm. And Tell me about that. What do you mean by that? So uh, we they would reference it mm. during the week. Or, I mean, we'd talk about it in parish groups and stuff, but then I'd see people posting about it on Facebook mm. or sharing in our um, closed group page. Mm. And um, a couple of instances that really pop out to me. One week we practiced driving the speed limit. Ooh. <laughs> Conviction has fallen in the room. Mm, how did it go? Uh, we practiced driving the speed limit as a cue mm. to um, think about obedience. Mm. And, like, how willing are we to do what someone else puts on us yeah. or do we think that we know better? Mm. <laughs> and so anytime you caught yourself driving over the speed limit, it was a cue to engage in a conversation with God. What is there inside of me mm. that thinks I know better Oof. in this situation? And how does that influence my relationship with you, God? Mm. Mm. So um, there was a lady in our church who posted on Facebook, I am having a lot of conversations with God about obedience this week because I'm trying to drive the speed limit and it is hard. <laughs> I was like, yes, so, so, so good. Uh, another time, um, so I use the practices as a way to like both try to do very tangible things like that, but also slowly introduce people into um, more traditional or even contemplative prayer practices. Mm -hmm. So one time, um, we, I kind of outlined how to practice breath prayer Mm. and how we, and it was a, it was a way to practice. Um, it was flowing out of a sermon about, um, um, Jesus being peace or providing peace, Mm -hmm. something to do with that. And so one of the ways that we remind ourselves is to remember that the spirit of God, the presence of God is as close as our breath. Mm. And we engage this through breath pair. And so it gave like a um, a walkthrough about how to practice breath mm. pair prayer and some phrases that you could use with it. Mm. And one of the uh, ladies in our congregation who's in her 70s um, came to me, uh, or maybe she wrote to me. I can't remember if, it, if she said it in person or wrote me a note but either way her comment was you know I've I've been facing a lot of anxiety about some health issues for me and my husband Mm. and this tool of breath prayer has been such a gift that I can when I notice my you know when I notice my anxious thoughts starting to pick up I go to that whether I'm driving or waiting Mm. in a doctor's office or I'm in the shower or making my breakfast in the morning like Mm. it's just there and it is Reminds me of the calming presence of God. And she had Beautiful. never, she had never been introduced to or even, cons- she never, like this was the first time she'd ever heard of it. Mm. And it was so life-giving for her. Mm, yeah. Um, there's another instance of um, a guy in our church who is um, under 40, but very driven, accomplished um, in his career. And... One of the weekly practices was the prayer of examine from Mm. St. Ignatius, walking through the last 24 hours and just trying to notice how I felt and also where God was present to me and was I aware of God's presence or not, and Mm. then praying for what I need for the day ahead. And he was away on a business trip, this Mm. guy in our church, and was, um, I guess, just experiencing like a really either stressful or busy day while he's away from his family out you know, somewhere Mm. far away. And this was the weekly practice and he, um, got it in his email Mm -hmm. and just did it right there in his rental car, Mm. sitting outside of a, wherever he was, I don't know. And he just talked about how much, um, he appreciated, um, 
an opportunity to reflect on his own, the emotions of the day and talk to God about them Mm. and how that was not a normal part of his practice. Mm. But in the middle of being away on a business trip, frustrations come up away from your family. And this was a gift that he, that he found Mm. and then was able to connect to, you know, he remembered whatever the message was, um, previously and, but my favorite, uh, my favorite is this past epiphany. So it was like January or February um, of 2019, just this past year. Um, so it was the week of um, the baptism of our Lord. Mm. So we follow the lectionary calendar all the way through. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the practice was letting yourself be loved. Mm. And um, being reminded, you know, as we as we journey with Jesus into baptism, um, the the affirmation that the Father spoke over him is spoken over us mm. as well. This yeah. is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Mm. And so remember that. Let yourself be loved both by God and by others. And it gave some ideas of how to do that. Mm. Well, there is a single mom in our congregation who... Um, is in a serious uh, time of struggle, just financial and otherwise mm-hmm. um, um, not receiving, you know, child payments and all this kind of stuff from her ex. And she was facing eviction. Oh. And um, one of her friends, who is also part of her parish group, found out about it and said... Um, she was two months behind, and she said, well, I can cover one whole month. Wow. It was a single lady in our church, younger than this single mom. Mm. And that was a, it was a fair amount of money. Yeah. It was not super cheap. Yeah. Um, like over $1,000. Wow. And, you know, the single mom kind of protested and was like, no, no, you know, that's not what I'm just, I'm just asking you to pray about it. Like, don't, you know, you don't need to pay money. Mm -hmm. And her friend said, um, do you not remember what the weekly practice is? Mm. You're supposed to be letting yourself be loved. Oh, so let me love you. Oh, gosh, it's great. And I was like, a basket case. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh uh, just so, so moving. And then because of this one woman's action, it was a domino effect and mm. other people got involved and yeah. all the money was given and then some. Mm. And so we um, started, we had enough money left over to start a freedom fund, which we are using for, um, for specifically women and children who mm. are in oppressive or trapped situations. Yeah. Um, and some really amazing things have happened um, out of that as well. So it just, it, it, that is like like one of my favorite mm. stories of here's a person in our congregation who was aware of a need, but also aware of what the practice was that week mm. and was open to... Uh, being the love that their friend needed and reminding her, like, mm. this is a spiritual practice. Yeah. <laughs> Let yourself be loved in this moment. Mm. Uh, mm. It's just pretty incredible. Yeah, wow. So really, good. really great. So just about every, so today is a Thursday, um, and after this I'll go back and we'll have a conversation. Just about every Thursday I have a conversation with Chris if he's preaching or, you know, I write it for myself if I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. But, um um, or whoever else might be preaching that week. Um, but just like, okay, so where do you think, where are you headed in, in the sermon? What does this text call us to do? How do we mm. live this out together yeah. and then write it? Um, and it's like 120 words. Like mm. it's not a long thing. Yeah. It goes in our worship folder every week mm. and then it goes in our e-newsletter that gets sent out mm-hmm. as well. And it's part of our service. Like I, before I send people with benediction, I invite them into the practice and uh, talk about why it is that we're practicing it this week. What's the connection to the sermon or our life together as a congregation? Yeah. 
and it has been, um, it, it has transformed us. Mm. Like it has allowed us to live as hospitable, generous people. It's given us, like, honestly, we've, we've had tithing as a practice mm. and we've said, if this is not a normal practice for you, here's some ways to tiptoe into it. Yeah. Um, if scripture reading is not a practice for you, here's some ways to get started. And, mm. and we've really tried to use the language of practice intentionally yeah. and say that it's not performance. Right. Um, this is something that we do just like if you practice running or you practice yoga or yeah. it's, it's the doing of it, not the performing well right. that matters. We are practicing. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. I love that so much. So how did you get from there to the book that's coming out? So, um, okay. So actually in, during sabbatical, um, I felt the spirit leading me to two possible writing projects for the future. Mm -hmm. And, um, this was one of them because Mm -hmm. it was like thinking about, I, I think that this is some, if this has been so helpful for our congregation, I think it could be helpful for others. And it's a conversation that I've had with a lot of pastors. Yeah. And so I thought about, okay, at some point probably need to do that. Well then obviously like you get going in after sabbatical and, Life just goes to a million miles and don't think about it again until I received an invitation to preach at the NTS Preachers Conference, which is later this month. Mm -hmm. And the whole theme of the Preachers Conference is um, preaching as formation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was a huge honor to receive the invitation. Yeah. First of all, that's a big deal in and of itself. I was super grateful but immediately I was like, okay, hold on. There's going to be a whole group of Nazarene preachers that are talking about formation and how do we link preaching to the formative work of the Spirit in mm-hmm. our individual lives and congregation? Mm-hmm. And is there any way that I can like make these resources available? Mm-hmm. So I had kind of an idea about something that would be, you know, I don't know a six inch project sure, and it turned into about a three mile project. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, in February then, uh, was at M19 Mm -hmm. and, um, had some conversations with my friend Kyle Tyler, who works at the foundry and is also Mm -hmm. a pastor in Kansas city. And, um, just said, okay, so here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Like, is this, just what guidance do you have to give me? Mm. And at that point I was thinking about honestly, like a, like a booklet, Mm -hmm, literally mm -hmm. like taking people through maybe the two seasons worth and just like a teaser of, Hey, after the conference, go home and try this. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, well, yeah, let me set you up there. You know, at the conference, like the whole foundry staff is just floating around. And so he was like, yeah, come back at this time and these people will be here. And I didn't actually realize that I was literally doing like a book pitch to the general (laughs) editor. (laughs) That's awesome. But that's in essence what happened. And as they heard about what it was and what I wanted to do with it and also like the, the timing of the conference and everything, I just watched their eyes getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, they know things that I don't know Mm -hmm. about the market and about needs and other like things that they've, um, like dreams that they have for, and they're receiving feedback from other pastors and places about the kinds of resources that people need or are looking for. And so I think it, 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 to be very honest, I think it was just a, one of those like, things where you realize, oh, I just thought I was making something happen. And in reality, the Spirit's been making a whole lot of things happen Mm. way before I got here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when it all boiled down to, uh, we had that meeting and then some phone calls back and forth um, after I left Kansas City. And they felt like the best um, tool 
would honestly to be publishing a full three-year resource that covers the entirety of the lectionary calendar years A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And stupidly, I was like, oh, I think that should be totally fine because I've been writing them for almost four years. Like, I have all of those years covered. I can just, like, you know, in copy and paste, right? Easy peasy. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is not how it worked. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm. Uh, so because we had this initial idea of, wow, it'd be really great to have this resource available at the preacher's conference, Mind you, I am a three. Yeah. This all plays, okay? <laughs> it is all a factor. And <laughs> Mikhail consistently biting off unreasonable amounts of things to do mm-hmm. in her life. But whatever. So um, I was like, well, when if we're going to try to make this happen for the preacher's conference, when do you... <laughs> How many days like, do I... Like, when do you need to do this by... Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were having this conversation, I think, in like the first week or two of March. And um, they were like, well, honestly, like, May 1st? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, that's six weeks. I mean, sure. I can write a whole book in six weeks. Of of course. (laughs) So my deadline got pushed back to May 15. Mm. They were gracious Mm -hmm. in that. Um, But yeah, had... Many long nights. Many, many. Uh, What I didn't realize is even though I had written a weekly practice for every single week, and even though we do follow the lectionary calendar, there were two significant seasons in different years Mm. that we did not follow the texts Mm. of those seasons because of what was happening in the life of our church, especially Mm -hmm. like getting ready to go into the new building. We did a totally different... Yep process for that mm-hmm. um and so there were definitely a lot of like rewriting and adapting and um and then I wrote an introduction for each of the seasons oh. um because I I really want this what I'm hoping for is that this resource is um a helpful tool for people to dip the toe into the water of practicing the lectionary seasons because yeah. I have found such meaning and richness and joy in life in them and I think for our con- congregation but I didn't want it to feel like it was only accessible for people who already used the lectionary yeah. for preaching or devotional use or whatever mm. so um yeah so, so there are so there's one practice per week mm-hmm. over a three-year period mm-hmm. and is it like when you flip through it, is it like year A, year B, year C? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And the foundry is was super awesome, and it is in color. Mm. So there's actually like tabs on the side. Aww. So you can look at a glance and see what season you're in. Like wow. Advent year A, Christmas year A, Epiphany mm. year A, Lent year A, you know. That's great. I know. I was super like, cool. oh, I like but, like, I like how you did that. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're preaching at the Preacher's Conference. Yes. How are you feeling about that? Are you excited? Uh, I am excited. Uh, the nerves are starting. Sure. Because it's, you know, like, today is, like, 20 days away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am excited because I feel like, you know, pretty early, I as I was praying about what to preach on, it was pretty clear. Um, so I'm preaching about courage mm. and risk-taking mm. as a virtue in the kingdom of God. That's great. And I just, uh, over the last, I don't know, couple of years, I've found that to be a an incredibly essential element for where we are mm. as the church. Mm. And so I think, as always, the calling that God puts on your life is both burden and grace because mm-hmm. it's, it's the fire in your belly that gets you through. Yeah. So if I weren't um, preaching something that I wasn't, like, super excited about or had felt the urgency of, then mm-hmm. I would probably be in a very different place. Yeah. But there is a level of excitement because, um, well, because I'm, you know, 
Mm. I'm a little bit of a geek and I just like good preaching. And so like the thought of just getting to geek out on good preaching for a week is really cool. Um, But then also to be a part of the conversations about the stuff that I feel like is the real good, deep stuff. Like, mm. I know that we need to talk about probably somewhere, you know, church financing and marketing and those things. I'm sure they have a place. But for me, like, I want to talk about who we are as the people of God, mm. how we are formed as the people of God, how we as pastors invite our people into formation as becoming something other than we already are. Like, Mm. can we be a spiritual community um, that operates at a completely different way Mm. than any other entity that you find on earth? Mm. And how do we do that? Yeah. Uh, Those conversations, being gathered with people who want to have those conversations are super life-giving to Mm. me. I love that. So as you kind of release this book into the world, what are your hopes and dreams? What are you, what are you hoping people will do with the book? Um, I think I would love to see other congregations use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I, I want it to be a resource for pastors so that whether or not you use the lectionary or whether or not you choose, because each week is paired with one of the lectionary texts Mm -hmm. for that given Sunday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even if you don't preach on that lectionary text, you know, you might not be able to use that exact um, practice. Mm -hmm. But hopefully there's enough in there that you can use a lot of really good, um, hopefully there's good resources for you to use and invite people into doing something Mm. Uh, you know James tells us don't just be hearers of the word be doers of it yeah and and I think this is a way to invite people into that Mm. Um, so that's my first hope and dream is that it would be a resource for pastors Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's probably just because that's how I've used it too and that's how we've found so much um, joy and transformation in our own congregation sure um but secondly, I think if there are Sunday school classes or small groups, formational groups, um, college groups, yeah. perhaps, um, that want to take on a practice a week and then come back and be a process group together mm. and say, because there's built-in questions mm. um, that you can use to journal with what did I learn about myself and or God through mm. this practice. Um and, and, you know, use that as a way to engage in conversation and also to keep one another, you know, somewhat accountable that yeah. we know we're going to come back and talk about that this week. So mm-hmm. how did it go? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm super pumped. Well, Thanks. tell me when it comes out. How do people get a hold of it? Uh, well, it will be available at the Preacher's Conference. Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord. Because if it wasn't and I did all of that work... <laughs> To get it done by May 15th, I, I don't know what would happen. Uh, so it'll be available there. You can order it on the Foundry mm-hmm. Publishers right now, and it will mm-hmm. ship September 16th, so 11 That's days. Great. Yeah. So and they tell me it will be on Amazon at some point, but I'm not sure uh, when. Oh, yeah, but we, or we, how. Don't need to, we don't need to order on Amazon. We can yeah. yeah. can go direct straight to the Foundry. Right, right. That's right. We can yep. support our local yes. denomination. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that for folks living outside yes. of the U.S. Sure, sure, right. I, I don't know when or how yeah. Amazon will be yeah. an issue. Yeah, overseas shipping, that's a, little, yeah. that's a little different. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, well I'm so I'm so excited for you, and I'm really grateful for you allowing the Spirit to move in your life in such ways that we receive that kind of spillover into the rest of the world. I really appreciate your being willing to be a vessel. Thanks. I It's... It's very humbling. Mm. But like our congregation has prayed that our church would be a gift to the city, I, I pray that this book would be a gift to the church. That's great. Uh, and it feels like it's not just Mikhail Levine writing a book. It feels like it's really an offering from the 8th Street Church. Mm-hmm. Because without the collaboration of Chris and the other pastors, without a group of people in our congregation who was actually willing to engage in these practices, mm-hmm. There wouldn't be a book. Right. 
there wouldn't be anything. <laughs> but it's a whole, it's a whole group effort. Mm. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and we'll look forward to hearing from you at the future conference. That's great. Thanks very much.